Hello, and welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Thank you for joining us to worship and learn more about God as we all pursue Him together as a community. For more podcasts and services about past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendecatur.org. Or come connect with us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning again. Um, I just, uh, for, uh, for Chris and for Stacy and myself, um, may I just say thank you for the um, pastor appreciation stuff. Um, ministry sometimes is hard, whatever, boo-hoo, right? I'm telling you, um, the letters of encouragement, the emails and things that we get um, throughout the week, and especially in this month, are very encouraging. So if you sent an email or a card with a handwritten note or gave to the fund to put me and Stacy on the beach somewhere in uh, January. Thank you so much for that. You guys are awesome. Is anybody behind me? I feel like someone's watching me. <laughs> you are in for it today. So I'm just going <laughs> to... Don't, don't do it. I just want to read today's uh, scripture um, for us, and, and Joe's going to do a little work in it. So would you uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 8? If you have a Bible with you, we're going to be reading verses 16 through 18. We'll put the words on the screen. You can follow along there. These are the words of Jesus that Luke records for us. He says, verse 16, that no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Verse 18, so take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. My name is Joe, and I'm one of the members here at Renaissance. And as Pastor Jeff said, I have the pleasure of leading us in a Bible study today on the passage that he just read. But before I do that, I want to take a few moments and make some remarks regarding appreciation for our pastors. I just want to say this a little bit, that, that our pastors here are true servants. And uh, a great example of that is that I was just sitting backstage um, sweating. Now, I sweat if I peel an orange, so it doesn't matter like what the temperature in the room was like. But usually, whenever I'm preaching, I think ahead and I bring with me a little preacher rag because I know I'm going to have a lot of sweat pouring, and I don't want you guys to have to see that. Well, I didn't, for whatever reason, bring my preacher rag today. It's a little bit cooler outside, so some, something in my head said it'll be a little bit cooler in the room today. Well, it ain't. It's, it's pretty warm in here, and I'm sitting back there sweating, and I text Chris. Pastor Chris, and I say, Chris, I need help. Because here's the thing, I could have gone and found myself a preacher rag, but here's what's going to happen. I don't know how much long they have left singing before I need to get on stage, and I'm going to run into somebody and want to talk to them before I get back. And then Jeff would be up here reading the scripture, and there wouldn't be anybody standing behind him creepily. So I asked Chris, can you help me out, brother, and get me a rag? And he brought me this booger-free hanky to use so you all don't have to watch me sweat all morning long. Our pastors are true servants. And it's something I'd like to say about uh, Pastor Jeff real quick. I've known him for 12 years now. 
Uh, we met at a wedding reception, actually, 12 years ago. A friend introduced me to him, and uh, I was working as a youth pastor at a small church. It wasn't a, a job for me. It was an all-volunteer thing, and I was like 24, 25 years old, had, had no idea what I was doing, but thought I did, and I just knew that, that it was hard. And I was introduced to Jeff, and, and he was like, we should, we should talk sometime and get together because sometimes ministry sucks. And that's true. That's true for our pastors. Sometimes it can be hard and difficult. And most of the time, those of us who are part of the church don't really see those moments that suck so much. But I'll say this about Pastor Jeff. He has the wisdom of an owl, the perspicuity of an eagle, and the grace of a swan. Our pastor, brothers and sisters, is for the birds. But in all in all seriousness, I have I have spent a lot of time with Jeff and Stacy and and uh, been a part of some of those moments that that aren't so great that most of the church doesn't witness. I've I've seen the the tears and the turmoil and the and the struggle that they've gone to. I've watched them labor over decisions that on the outside should seemingly be made very easily, but because they want to honor God because Jesus and people matter, they would labor over them to make the very best decision. I've seen them make heavy, weighty decisions that other people would take a long time to decide on, and they, with faith, made it with great dispatch, and I've watched them in those moments do those things, and I can say that we're blessed to have pastors who, who truly do live what they say this church is about, that they just want people who feel like they have no place in God's family to have a place in God's family. And we're very thankful and blessed that they lead our church and that they lead us and we get to be a part of that. So thank you if you're anywhere around, Pastor Jeff and Stacy and Chris, and to Chris's wife, Tori, as well, who keeps him sane. And if you've ever met her, you just know, if you haven't met her, just know that Chris really married up. And we like to remind him of that all the time. Speaking of marrying up, if you have uh, met my wife, you would know that she is a very kind, tender-hearted, and sweet person. Even if you don't really know her, and, and I'm not just saying that to get brownie points. Uh, this is what everybody says, so it doesn't even mean anything that I say it now. Everybody just says that about Megan. She's so kind and sweet and tender-hearted. She is so nice, and she's pretty much like that all the time, almost. And if, you, if you've met her, you know those things about her, but if you've gotten to know her, you would learn about her that... Um, Within this kind and sweet and tender-hearted exterior, there is a tough person who at times can be incredibly stubborn. When she uh, has made up her mind about something, she will not budge. And she doesn't raise her voice, and there's something about her calm, gracious, merciful demeanor in those moments that just drives me bonkers and sways my heart every time. But she's incredibly stubborn, and we have a frequent battle in our home. I call it the battle of the bulbs. About how many lights in the house at any one time we really need turned on. My wife believes that every light in the house should be on at all times of the day. 
because the light that God has given us is already not good enough. This is the conversation we had yesterday. So I'm constantly going around to rooms, turning them off. And it's not that she's just forgotten that she left the light on. She's not just like doing that. She just wants light to be on in every room that she goes into. And I'm like watching my Amarin thing every day to see how much money I'm saving by flipping these lights off. And I'm like, babe, we can save three cents off of our bill every day. Three cents a day if we just turn the lights off when we're done in the room. And yesterday, I got up in the morning and I turned off all the lights. She had gotten up before me and all the lights were on. I turned them all off and, and I took out some trash. And when I came back in, every one of the lights <laughs> was back on. And I said to her, imagine that. I go outside for one moment and all the lights are back on. And she said, I knew you were going to say that. Well, she had some friends coming over and she goes, listen, Joe, I, I get it. I, I get it. But, but, but my friends are coming over and normal people don't live like we try to live. <laughs> With the lights off all the time. Normal people don't live that way. And I was like, well, maybe normal people don't care about our Ameren bill like, like I care. I just want the light that God has given us. And that really stuck with me. She's like, normal people don't live like we do. I still don't know exactly what she means. I think she was referring to more than the lights, as a matter of fact, when she was talking like that. But I couldn't help but connect that to the passage here. As Jesus says, no one lights a lamp to then take that lamp that's been lit and throw a blanket over it so that you can't see the light that's now shining. What Jesus is essentially saying here is normal people of God, I'll just phrase it like this, normal Christians want God's light to shine. Normal Christians allow for God's light to shine through them. Normal Christianity looks like the light of God reflecting from that person out to other people. Just a quick, few quick remarks about this passage. Verse 16 here, as Jesus said, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but they put it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. What we need to keep in mind are a few things as we're studying this passage today. The first one is this, that the light that God is talking, Jesus is talking about, is a light that God has lit. It's a light from God. God lights the lamp. So let's just keep that in mind. I'm not going to go back through these things, but the, this light is a light that God has lit. In verse 17, he says, nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. God lights the lamp, but even when it's dark, God still sees. He doesn't need the light to see like we need the light to see. God still sees everything in the dark. Just as an aside, I, I can't move on from this without making mention that those things that I do and that you do that, that no one else knows, those thoughts that we think that no one else hears of them, God is fully aware of those things. There's a phrase in the Old Testament that has haunted me ever since I first read it, and it is this, be sure that your sin will find you out. And God knows even when no one else does. In fact, God will sometimes, I've had this happen to myself, give dreams to your friends about your sin that no one else knows about to come and tell you you need to repent. God knows, and, and he sees those things. 
verse 18, he says, take care then how you hear, which is strange to me because he's talking about the light. We don't hear the light. If you hear the light, something's probably wrong with your light. Call an electrician. We don't hear the light. He says, take heed then how you hear for to one who has more will be given and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. What Jesus, I think, is saying here, it, it, he says, he's talking about light, which is something that we, we observe with our eyes. It's, a, it's, it's the sense of sight that perceives light. And then he says, but you better be careful how you hear. So what he's saying is this, is, is that I'm not just talking about physical light. He's referring to spiritual words to hear from God. Spiritual light, spiritual truth, things about who God is, the truth about Jesus. This is what he's referring to. And what he's saying is this, some people see and hear this spiritual truth this spiritual light. Some of us see it. Some of us have heard it. And we're going to refer to the people who have seen and heard the spiritual truth, the spiritual light about who Jesus is. We're going to refer to them as the haves. And some people neither see the light nor hear the truth. Not because it hasn't been revealed to them, not because no one has ever spoken it to them, but because there's something about their condition that refuses to allow them to see or hear the light and the truth of who Jesus is. We're going to refer to these people as the have-nots. If I were to title my message today, it would be the haves and the have-nots. The haves, according to man, look a lot like the religious people in Jesus's day. The culture in which Jesus lived was one that was very strictly religious. Everything they did as Jews in their culture was to honor God and honor his law and honor his commands. And here's why. Uh, throughout their history, they'd found in the moments they'd been disobedient to them, to God, is he did just as he promised and he sent another nation to come and take them from their land and draw them away from it. Well, after multiple periods of time of rebelling against God and, and leaving his truth and, and disaster happening to them, at some point they were returned to their land. And when that happens, some of the wise men who were leading their culture got together and said, we can never let this happen again. Let us never disobey God in such a way again that he has to drag us away from our home. So what did they do? They went back to the scriptures, the law, that God had given them, and they read them, and they said, well, well, this one here isn't entirely clear because there are a lot of nuances to some of the things in the Bible. Would you agree to that? That it doesn't give us instruction about everything to do in life. It doesn't tell us what time we should get up in the morning. It doesn't tell us what time we should go to bed at night. The Bible doesn't tell us what we should be wearing during the day. It should tell some of us maybe, but it doesn't, it doesn't give us instructions like that. So, so these men got together and said, here's what we should do. We should write out rules on top of these rules so that we hedge ourselves in so that we don't even accidentally break God's law. And they're trying to protect themselves from God's wrath again. Well, by the time Jesus comes to the earth, these rules upon the rules upon the rules had become so strangling to the spiritual vitality of God's people that they were clearly divided into two groups. Those who were willing to work incredibly hard and do everything they could to at the very least keep up the appearance of obeying God 
and those who had essentially just given up and said, listen, I'm a sinner and I know it and I'm just gonna go have fun with it and I don't care what the rest of you think. So you had the haves and the have-nots of religious light in Jesus's time. And the haves looked like the religious people who just had it all together. Man, they were in church every Sunday. They always looked really good. They always had their Sunday best on. They smelled good in church. They were, they were those people who, you, you know, you know who I'm talking about. Some of them are you. Like you get up in the morning and you take a picture of your Bible and your coffee and you put it on Instagram because you want people to know how spiritual you are when you wake up. You know what I'm talking about. That, that was these, that was these people. That, that was them. That, that was who they were. They, they were the people that everybody looked at and was like, that's, that's the type of person I need to be. And the have not said, I know I can never be like that. So I'm not even going to try. So they would just give up and move away. Now the have nots, according to that culture, were the people like Jesus's disciples. These 12 men who followed him around, who were those who drank a lot, cussed a lot, fought a lot, got into a lot of problems. They only went to church on Christmas and Easter. They never read their Bible. And when they did, it was only because they got in trouble and they needed, they needed God to come and, and help them and they didn't know what to do. In fact, these were the type of people who were, who were so afraid to approach going into the church because they just know as soon as I step in the door, God's gonna split the ceiling open and strike me with lightning. These were the have-nots that Jesus lived with according to the way that their culture viewed them. Jesus is flipping that idea on its head and says, so what you perceive to be the haves, even those who think they have from them, what he thinks he has will be taken away. The haves and the have-nots according to God look very differently. According to God, the haves look like people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, to put it in Jesus's words. People who, who say and know that, that they have nothing within themselves to give, they have no good works to offer, they have no ability within themselves to, to make themselves clean and God's sight, to present themselves to other people as anyone worth following. They just know they can't do it on their own, but they're hungry for it. God, I want to be more like Jesus. I, I want to do the right thing. The apostle Paul says in, in Romans chapter seven, the thing that I want to do and I know I should do, I can't do. But the thing that I don't want to do that I know I shouldn't be doing, that's all I do. These are the people that Jesus says are the true haves because here's the difference between God and man. All we can see is what we see. All we can see is how spiritual we are on social media. How holy we look in church on Sunday during worship. Do I look holier if I hold my hands up like this or like this? That's all we know is what we can see. The Bible says that God views us all differently because he looks at our heart. He can see what no man knows. And while a person on the outside uh, uh, displaying great works of righteousness may in fact have a good heart in God's eyes, the fact that they display works of righteousness is not actually the proof that their heart has been changed. Because it is possible to be very much a struggler in the kingdom of God, finding it really hard to keep up, finding it really hard to do all the things you're supposed to do and still have a heart that Jesus has changed by his spirit. 
the haves are people who look a lot like us, I think. The have-nots, according to God, were the religious people. These are the people who think they've achieved maximum spirituality. They think they've, they've gained and learned and earned so much knowledge and truth about who God is that they no longer have to have any more of it, that there's no room for them to grow anymore because they're already perfect. Well, we know that those people don't actually exist. We know that the only person they're fooling is themselves. Let's talk a little bit more about the have-nots. These religious leaders in that day, they lacked power in their godliness. They had an outward display of it. They looked like they were godly and righteous and holy. They looked like they knew what they were doing. They looked like they knew what was going on, but there was no true power to it. The only power they had was to manipulate other people into thinking that they were close to God when in fact they were not. It's the only power their godliness had was to do the post on Instagram. I'm just saying this because I've done it myself. I'll just be honest. You just want people to know how holy you are. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do that, but, but I, I'm pointing that out because that's been a moment of contention for myself that the Lord has pointed out. And I know I'm not the only one like me, despite what my wife says. These have-nots could not see the truth standing in front of them because they believed that they already owned it. The very God that they claimed to worship, the very God who gave them the law that their ancestors so frequently disobeyed, the very God who formed them in their mother's wombs was standing in front of them, wrapped in human flesh, and they refused to see it because that was way outside the realm of anything they ever imagined God would ever do. The truth was standing right in front of them and they couldn't see it because they thought they already had all the truth there was to have. And isn't it really easy for us to think that we already know so much that we no longer need to see or hear more from God about who Jesus is? It's very easy for us to become like these religious people, even though uh, those of us who are Christians, followers of Jesus, I believe that in terms of uh, spiritual truth and spiritual light, we are the haves, but it's very easy for us to act like people who have not when we, when we label other people as have nots. I fear that it is true that in the church of the United States, that we have become more known for how we identify who the have-nots are than by what we actually have. We're more strongly committed to being able to single out who are the have-nots than we are willing to look at the things that we do have. So what do we have? The, the haves, those of us who have spiritual truth, uh, the disciples that walked with Jesus, they were the haves, even though culture would have said, you guys are the have-nots when it comes to spiritual truth. Here are the things that they had. They had the scriptures, the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament at the time. Some of them would go on to write parts in the New Testament, but they had the scripture that God had given them at that time, the, the Old Testament. And by the time they were 12, most of them had probably memorized large portions, if not all, of the first five books of the Old Testament. 
They had the scriptures, God's truth, given to them so that they would know what God wanted. They had in Jesus walking with them a rabbi, a living example of how to follow God. It was said that that students of a rabbi would, would desire to be, it was a phrase they used, covered in the dust of their rabbi, meaning that everywhere he went, everything that he did, they wanted to, to be so close to them so that the dust got on him would get on them as well. It's even said that if a rabbi, as he was going to the John, prayed a certain prayer while he was in the, the toilet, they wanted to be close enough to hear what that prayer was. That's just, that's weird. That's not normal. <laughs> Megan, that's not normal. Whatever, don't be hanging outside the bathroom to hear the praise, the prayers that I pray. Like, like they would be that close to them. They had this in Jesus, a, a living example of truth to follow. They had in Jesus a prophet, someone who heard directly from God and was speaking for God to them, telling them things about themselves they didn't even know, telling them things about themselves that no one else should know, telling them things about the future that no one else could know unless they were a prophet and God had indeed spoken to them. They had God walking with them. God robed in human flesh, living life with them, eating meals with them, traveling with them. I bet his road trip playlist was awesome. They had God walking with them, living daily lives with them. And, and, and so often we think about Maybe it's just me, but I think about how easy that probably was for them to know how to, how to live the truth. Jesus is just right here, right? Like I, there's a whole lot of stupid stuff I wouldn't do if Jesus was just like right here all the time, right? Like anyone else? Am I the only one? Like if he, if he were right here, it's really easy to just obey him and do those things. But we have today on the other side of this, the complete scriptures. They just had the Old Testament. We have the New Testament, which reveals the, the fullness of God's plan in Jesus and the, the truth about the ages to come and, and what God has, has designed for human history. We have it fully with us in the scriptures. And unlike the disciples who only got to access the scriptures on Saturday when they went to the synagogue, and it was only what the rabbi was willing to read to them, we can access it anytime of the day, any day, just with our phone. It's so easy for us. We have so much more that they did in that sense. We have the revelation of who Jesus is. We know that he is God in the flesh, not just come to rescue the nation of Israel from oppression like they believed he was, but he's come to rescue us from sin and he has done so. We have this truth about who Jesus is. And I just said, wouldn't it be awesome for Jesus to walk alongside of you everywhere you went? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Some of the places we go. But we have God living in us. He doesn't have to walk beside us. He lives within us. That should change our mindset about the things we do and say and see and where we go is that, that we don't need him standing next to us. We have him living Within us, we have so much more than they have. Just a few more things. The Bible says we have peace 
with God. There's, there's no enmity between us. Without Jesus Christ, God sees sin as his enemy, and we don't have that anymore because Jesus has taken that away for those of us who believe. We have fellowship with God, the Bible says. That means we can have a relationship with him. We can know him like a friend. They didn't yet have that. We have, the Bible says, God's spirit given to us without measure. When I go to cook something, I follow a recipe to the T. My wife, on the other hand, is just like, whatever it feels like. I follow a recipe to the T, except for when the recipe calls for bacon. The only time I don't follow the recipe with bacon, uh, the, the only time I look at the recipe for bacon is to see how much it says, and then I make sure I use at least that much. And I want to add a little bit more. And, and some of you I know cook that way. You don't measure. You just put in how much you think you're going to like. You just put in what you know is going to taste good and be right. That's how God gives the spirit to us. He, he pours his spirit into us and it fills us, not just to a point where he's like, okay, this person can only contain so much, but he fills us to overflow us with his spirit. This is what we have as the haves who follow Jesus. And he says, to those who have, to more, more will be given to them. More what? More light about who Jesus is. More truth about who God is. We already have all of this more given to us in Jesus Christ. This more that Jesus was referring to here, that, that if you have, you're gonna be given more. I believe he's referring to the, the fact that he's offering himself to whoever would believe. We have everything we need in him. More will be given to those who have salvation. We just get more and more and more light about who Jesus is. And then he th says this in verse 18. From the one who has not, the one who's a have-not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. And he's referring to the religious people of his day who believed they were the haves. And he's saying, you are actually, in fact, have-nots. And, and it is possible to think you have, but actually have not. We do this because of our arrogance because we believe that we have somehow attained to a position of, of a complete righteousness through our own works and the things that we've done. We do this maybe because of all of the lists that we have, the pins that we have for perfect church attendance, the, the how many times you've read the Bible list that you have and you check all those things off, all the, whatever the stuff is that we think is important that's getting us into heaven, those things, the arrogance behind them, uh, propelling us to do as much as we can to make God happy with us, that can make us think we have, but in fact actually have not. It's possible to think that you have, but actually have not because of tradition. There are millions of people who attend churches on Sunday mornings because that's just what they've always done. 
and they participate in the, the worship ceremonies because that's just what they do. And then from that moment, there's, there's nothing else about the light of God dwelling in them. The only light of God that, that sparks on their life is in that moment on a Sunday. And it's easy for us when we say the word tradition to think of churches that, that uh, are much more traditional than Renaissance is. I'm thinking of maybe robes or the smells or the different sites or, or, or communion every Sunday, those kinds of different things. It's easy for us to label those as as the, the tradition that, that I'm talking about here, but we sure have our own traditions here as well. Don't think that we don't. Don't think that just because we go to a church that isn't quite so traditional that we wouldn't try to stand on our own tradition sometimes just because you've made it to church and you cried during worship, just because you, you think that uh, you know all the words to the songs, just because that you read ahead the passage every week that you know we're going to be studying. None of those things actually bring us closer to God. None of those things actually make us more righteous and holy. The only thing that brings us into fellowship with God, closer to God, that makes us more righteous or more holy is the spirit of God living into us, given us freely by Jesus Christ through his sacrifice and our faith in that. If we're missing that, the reality of this light dwelling within us, the reality of God's truth in our ears, if we're missing that, none of the other stuff we do matters. It's really easy for us to think that we have just because we do the stuff that the haves are supposed to do. Let us never become people who get so accustomed to our routines and our traditions that we miss the fact that the most important thing is just loving Jesus, just knowing that he loves us, letting his light and his truth dwell in us. And I want to say this as well, that it's, it's possible to think that you have, but actually have not. But it's possible to think that you have not, but actually be one of the haves. Now, I'm not saying that anyone can accidentally become, be a Christian. That's, that's not what I'm saying. It's not like all of a sudden one day you're, you, you die and you wake up in heaven and you're shocked that Jesus is there. Okay. Like, like that doesn't happen. It's an intentional uh, placing of our faith in him. But there are some of us who have moments of weakness that draw us away from this light and this truth. And in our moments of weakness, we tend to stay there for a little bit. And we feel like we haven't repented enough. We feel like we haven't had enough sorrow over it. And we feel like we haven't done enough, thing, enough penance over it to, to finally find forgiveness. And because of that, we think we have not. Where the, the reality is we still have the fact that God loved me before I ever believed in him. The Bible says when we were his enemies, Christ died for us. How much more so now that I'm one of his children, just because I stumble, I'm spitting on all of these people here, just because I stumble, I know you saw it. I was just going to admit it. Just because I stumble and I move closer so you can catch the spit now. It doesn't mean that he's rejected me. It doesn't mean I don't have any more just because I feel like I don't, just because I stumbled, just because, man, I had 78 days in recovery and now I got to start over again tomorrow. It doesn't mean you no longer have. He doesn't take it away. The Bible says that he's given us his spirit without measure and his spirit is a gift and the gifts of God are without repentance. That means he doesn't change his mind about them. He doesn't take it back. There's no takesy backsy in the kingdom of God. 
It's given to us freely. In spite of anything we've done, it's not taken away from us because of anything we do. God's not looking at whether or not we feel sorry enough for our sin. God's not looking at whether or not we've done enough to make up for the bad things that we've done. The only thing he's looking at is the blood of his son, Jesus, that cleanses us from all sin and whether or not our faith and our trust are in that and that alone. You think you're a have not because you think what you've done has taken away what God has freely given you. But he doesn't take it back. He freely gave. And we're still here, his. Jesus says this, take care then how you hear. I've only got 45 minutes left, so I'm gonna wrap up here. Take care then how you hear. For the, to, one who had, to the one who has, more will be given. Take care then how you hear. So I ask this question, how, how's your hearing How's your sensitivity to the light and the truth of who God is? Are you listening for him? Because he's speaking. He, he's always speaking to us. That doesn't mean we're going to hear him audibly like we hear a, a, an actual voice. It, it doesn't mean every moment of the day we, we get this random thought that pops into our head that must be from God because it's so profound and powerful. It doesn't mean that's always going to happen, but he's always speaking to us to lead and to guide us. And I can tell you that the times that you will miss it is when you are not listening. Are you learning? Because he's always teaching. He's placed his spirit within us. Jesus refers to the spirit as the teacher, the one who will teach us about what righteousness looks like. It will teach us about how to live like Jesus. He will teach us about how to be a, a true and faithful and powerful Christian. He's always teaching. Am I open to learning from him? Are you leaning on Jesus? because we're all falling towards something and he's the safest place to fall on and lean up against. If I'm leaning on my own abilities and my own works and my own righteousness and, and my own record of good days and my, and my own uh, moments where I, I feel full of love towards him, if I'm leaning on those, I will fall down. But if I lean on Jesus, the safest place to fall on. I will find life and peace and truth. And here's the truth about our hearing is that we're all hearing. We all hear. We hear with our prejudices. We hear from God based on the things that, that we already have opinions about and we tend to filter what God wants to say to us through our own opinions. Don't look at me like that. I know you do it too. We hear with our preconceptions, I already know how this is gonna turn out. And so Lord, uh, whatever you're trying to say to me about this thing, I just know how it's already gonna turn out. And so I'm going to translate what you're speaking to me through the lens of how I know it's going to turn out. And we hear with greater learning than the disciples did. And I don't mean that as a compliment because their faith was powerful and it was real and it was so simple. And we have so much 
learning available at our fingertips that it can it can taint the truth that God wants to give to us about who Jesus is. It can complicate it. It can make it more difficult and more challenging, and it takes away from the simplicity of it. And here's the truth about our hearing is that we hear what we really want to hear. If you really want to hear God, read the Bible and pray. I've been doing this a long time and I've counseled with many people who are Christians who say, I just don't hear God speak to me and I'm tired of hearing that crap. (laughs) Pardon my French. I'm tired of hearing that crap because here's the thing. Uh, Just open the Bible and pray. We don't need some new flashbang moment of inspiration from him. We just need the simplicity of a relationship and connection with God. Just open your Bible, read what he's already said, read what he's al- read what has been good enough for his people for thousands of years, and let that sink in, and let him speak to you that way, and pray and talk to him, and then listen to him if we really want to hear God. <clears throat> But if you really want to hear only what you want to hear, all you have to do is really simple. If you don't really care about hearing what God wants to really say to you, but you want him to say to you what you want to hear him say to you, all you have to do is just ignore him because you'll hear what you want to hear from somewhere. Somewhere, someone will tell you what you've been waiting to hear and you know that it's against what God's really trying to say to you, but you're waiting for that moment where you can justify it as that. Maybe I didn't quite hear you right, and somebody says that thing that clicks. I'm not even gonna bring up examples because I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of us in the room right now. We just hear what we wanna hear, and this week somebody spoke to you this thing that you wanted to hear, and you think that's the thing, and it's not. God has something different. And it's as simple as just turning to him and saying, Lord, speak to me. And then having the faith that he will. And then whatever you have the faith to do, go do that thing. Because faith is a gift and you can't make it up on your own. And so if the faith came to you to do it, it probably came from the one who gifts you the faith So after you've prayed and listened and said, Lord, give me your light, speak to me, your truth, show me which way to go. And now that you have the faith to do that thing and the peace knowing without that there's no compromise in what God is asking you to do with it. Just go do that thing. This is what we have as the haves. We have a relationship with the one who formed the universe, who formed us in our mother's wombs, who knows us like no one does, who loves us like no one can, and he speaks to us. This is ours. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful that you speak to us, that we have this light and this truth through you. Lord, I'm thankful that when you give us that light, you don't hide it. You don't cover it up. You put it in us to shine. 
You put it in others to shine on us. Lord, I'm so thankful that when you speak, you speak your words so that we will hear. I pray that you give us the faith to obey them. I pray that you give us enough trust in you to say yes to what you would speak to us. Lord, I'm thankful that we don't have to depend on ourselves to be the haves, but it's all in you and what you've done and what you've given us and who you are. We love you for that, Lord, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to support you and have you be a part of our community. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. There you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, and even contribute to the growth of the church through online giving. Or you can come see us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. We can't wait to see you.